Welcome to Why Not Us Podcast. It's your host, Ken J. And today in the building, I have Leslie. How are you feeling mentally? I am great. I will say that mentally, I am present and accounted for. So definitely good. Yeah. That's amazing. That's amazing. <laughs> so tell the people who Leslie is. Tell the people, <laughs> let the people know. Well, I am Miss Leslie and I am a recovering worship leader. But more than that, I am a motivational speaker and a, I like to call transformational coach. <laughs> and I'm, you know, have a passion for getting people from one place in life to the next. I think that uh, one of the things that kind of led me to wanting to be a transformational coach is as I was transitioning to different places in my life, I felt very alone. And mm. so I found myself walking alone, encouraging myself. You know, people do come alongside you at times, but I think there are there's something special about having someone for a specific transition. And so that's me. That's kind of a little bit about me and what I'm passionate about. Um, I will say I am also a musician. Like I said, I'm a recovering, recovering worship leader. That's what I like to call myself. And um, I am just an overall joyous person, I guess I'd like to say. So, yeah. So that's everything right, <laughs> right there. You know what I'm saying? You just mm -hmm. being who you are, full of love and light. Mm -hmm. And the message and the music is always inside of you. Yeah. So that's amazing in itself. So um, when I reached out to you, um, like I said, I always have intentions. Like you have a mm -hmm. story to share. A lot of people have experienced what you experienced. Um, so what came to me, finding my way back to my purpose. Yeah. When um when I when I thought of it, so um, you got to let the people know what's going on. Okay. What you experienced. So I'm a, I'm going to try to be as intentional as I possibly can about what I share and make sure that everything I do share has some message and it's not just some arbitrary information. It's not going to be relevant, you know, to building somebody up. I will say that most of the journey that I've experienced has a lot to do with church hurt, disappointment, and the death of your dreams. I think that um, one of my biggest kind of push forward was when I left my last church, the very the very first church that I was incredibly free. Um, I was living in Charlotte at the time and um, I was serving in a capacity that I had never had the freedom to serve. So I, I'm from Durham. Well, I'm from Cleveland, but I grew up in Durham, um, Bull City, bred, I'd like to say. And I feel like um, one of the things that kind of limited me was the fact that I'm from around here. And, you know, growing up, going to a church where I was silenced, my voice was silenced. That was a very difficult thing for me as a worshiper and as a growing worship leader. I really didn't have the space to cultivate my gifts outside of my home. My parents were very intentional about the way they raised me. They supported me musically. Um, my father was a musician. And so when I was in home, I was very free to be exactly who I needed to be and that I wanted to be. I was 
a very well-watered flower. And I always laugh with my mom. Um, my dad has since passed, but I always laugh with my mom because it's like, as soon as I left the house, it was a completely different story. You know, as soon as I got out and people heard me, the misconception was I wanted to be seen. Mm. A lot of times when I open my mouth to, to do worship or I open my mouth to speak, I get the vibe that people minimize me because they think I want to be seen. And that's how I felt growing up when in actuality, I wanted to be invisible. I don't want anybody to see me. Just hear me. You don't have to see me. You don't have to experience me. But this is what God has given me to offer. You know, this is my gift to give to the world. It's not a gift to elevate myself, but it's a gift to be a conduit between God, the universe, or whatever it is that you call it, and you. I feel that (laughs) it was a struggle coming up. So when I moved to Charlotte, I left everything. I left friends, family did not look back and I moved in transition and I left the church. That was the first time that I was like, "Mm, we're not doing this. But when God calls you to do something, whatever your higher power, whatever your purpose is, when you're called to it, no matter where you go, you cannot run from it. You cannot run from it no matter how hard you try. It's in you and you're connected to source. And as long as you stay connected to the source, it's going to always haunt you. (laughs) I hate to use the word haunt, but when you're not, you know, when you're not fulfilling your purpose, it's always in the back of your mind. Like, I really could be doing this. I really could be saying this. I really could be going here and doing this. And so um, I found myself a little bit empty. Mm. And... So I said, okay, well, I never had the opportunity to to share my gift at church on a consistent basis. I never really had the opportunity to to really do what I felt like God called me to do. One of the things I always laugh about is because I know so many people like, you know, if you know church culture, usually a person has a calling and they run in the opposite direction of their calling. They're like, oh, I'm not called to be a pastor or I'm not ready for that. Like I'm Mm -hmm. too young for that. I've seen it so many times and I feel like, I feel like, okay, wait a minute. God, you're calling me to connect people, right? Mm -hmm. Connect people to people, connect people to you. And so I'm gonna run towards it. And I felt like for a minute, I was being punished for running towards the call instead of creating resistance. Mm. And so you know, so when I got to Charlotte, I was like, okay, well, we're just going to give up on that and we're going to move on to do something else. And I was sitting in my apartment. Now, mind you, I said, I left everything. Like I literally was like, I got an apartment. I was sleeping on my friend's couch when I first got there. And then I finally got an apartment and I was in my apartment, no furniture, no nothing on the floor, empty. All I had was internet because it was provided by my, um, where I lived. And so I was on the internet and I said, okay, I think I'm ready. And I knew in my mind, I set an intention of the type of church that I wanted to go go to. I knew I didn't want to go to back to a small church because I felt boxed in Mm. in in the local, like a smaller church. I felt like it was everybody already had their positions and I had no, there was no room for me. And I don't know if anybody's ever felt like there is no room for you, but there's a scripture in the Bible, not to throw too much um, out there, but there's a scripture in the Bible that says that your gift will make room for you. And so I had lived on that scripture for so many years and I was looking around and I was like, hmm, 
I don't find the room that my gift is making for me. And I think I was, I was, might've been in the wrong house is the way I think about it. Because when you think about your gift making room for you, there's space for you. But what if the space for you is not in the location that you're in? When I moved to Charlotte, when I left and I decided on the, on the floor of that empty apartment, okay, God, we're going to try this one more time. We're going to try this one more time. I Googled the church and I was like, I'm never, I'm not going to sing. I will go. I will hide out. I will sit, you know, on the seat until I know and that they know that I'm not here to be seen. So in my mind, I had a strategy, which I don't even know, but my strategy was to serve as hard as I could in the background. And I did just that. You know, it was a very long time before I ever got a mic in my hand. Um, But I wanted to, it was that insecurity of feeling like I have to prove my motives. Mm. And I think that there are times where we get to a place where we feel like we have to prove something, right? We have to prove that we're worthy. We have to prove that we're not a threat, especially as brown people. We have to prove that we're not a threat. As a woman, I have to prove that I'm not aggressive. Like, you know, there are so many things that we feel like we're put in positions to have to prove ourselves. And so I put myself in a position where I felt like I needed to prove my intentions were good and pure and honest. I don't need to do that. I didn't need to do that then. And I definitely don't need to do that now, you know, but at the time, you know, a younger version of me wanted to be as pure and as innocent and as just so earnest in my, in my, serving. And so I went and I served and it was the best experience I ever had in my life. And getting to know people and getting to know them from not on stage, because there can be a disconnect. Any any worship leader knows this. And any person who's on stage, any motivational speaker, any person who has a platform knows that there can be a disconnect sometimes with people putting you up on a pedestal that you can't make mistakes or you're not, you're untouchable or you're not approachable or, you know, you have to be sort of perfect up there in the clouds. We do that with celebrities all the time. But when it's something when you serve among people and then you go and lead them in worship, it's something when you're, you're, you're hand in hand with someone and they know your heart and they know your spirit. And then you go be a, co- a conduit. You be the connector. It, it, I talk a lot about resistance, you know, um, and not creating resistance. And I think that one of the things that is missed often in worship leading and just, you know, let me know if, if you know, you need me to slow down because I can really go in. Listen, <laughs> what I tell you is all about you. I'm just listening. Yeah, so, but no, you good. Okay, so, you know, sometimes, you know, I talk a lot about creating resistance and preventing resistance. And I think that when we think about worship and church as a culture, there's a lot of resistance, right? You know, there's a lot of resistance from the people who grew up in church when it comes to worship. There's a lot of resistance from people coming in who have never experienced church before. There's a lot of resistance for people who have an idea of what church should look like. And what people in church should look like. And then there's resistance from people who have been hurt in other church experiences. 
one thing I love about worship and music ministry is that it takes all of that resistance. And if it's a really good experience, a really good song or, you know, a really good vocalist or everything seems to be on point, it lowers the level of resistance and makes it easier for people to open up. That's one of the things I love about music, period. If you think about music and how you feel when you put on your favorite song, let's say you put on a song from high school, instantly you're like, man, like I remember that day. I remember the first time I heard this song or I remember that party. Oh, I remember like riding in my car. Like you have those moments. It's like it transports you to a different time, space and mindset. And if we could really understand how to bring people together in worship and to be just a conduit, sometimes we don't need a whole bunch. We just need an open spirit and someone who can guide us to a place, right? And so I think that one of the things that I enjoyed the most was that serving aspect where I see you, you see me, and I'm here at 6 a.m. with you setting up. Or, I'm, or you see me and I'm talking to people and I'm out there, you know, and then I go back and I say, hey, you know, let's worship together. Like, let's get to know each other through worship. I think that that is one of the most beautiful experiences that I had and I learned when I was living in Charlotte. And, you know, I was in the zone. And I don't know if there's anybody <laughs> who has ever been in this, in the zone of life and you're like, yes, I'm right where I should be. I'm right at the, the precipice of the next level. Like I'm about to like go there, right? Mm-hmm. And then I lost my job. And, you know, I had been like meditating and praying and like, oh, I would love to do this full time. I would love to be in ministry full time. I would love to see what it's like to experience, you know, worshiping by myself and then serving the community, serving the people and then worshiping with them, right? I was so like in that zone and then I lost my job and I was like, this is not exactly what I meant, right? Mm -hmm. This is not quite how I saw it going, you know? I thought it was going to be like a smooth transition and I was going to be financially stable and all that. And it didn't happen that way. I lost my job and I lost my apartment and I lost my car, but I lost my apartment. And then later on, I lost my car and it was a very dark time. And this is one of the main things that I wanted to talk about because I went from having everything to being homeless and sleeping in my car. And it's crazy because people are like, you could have just went home. Like you could have just went to Durham, live with your mom. You know, you could have just went back home. But I was so focused on creating this dream and I was already in it. And so sleeping in my car was nothing as long as I got to church on Sunday. And it was almost like three or four months before my pastor even knew, before my my minister of music even knew, because I was leading while I was bleeding. There There was only a few people that knew that I was homeless. And I would, I would still be at church on Thursday night. I would still be at rehearsal. I would still be on stage on Sunday singing and leading people to worship because it wasn't about me and it wasn't about what I was going through. I knew that I had a purpose and that everything that I was dealing with would be okay. But I had to have a uh, come to, to Leslie meeting with myself and realize 
that is not what God intended. Yes, we all go through things and we all go through struggle, but sometimes we stay in a place too long. We stay there too long and we get ejected, right? And it's like, okay, you're grasping for this, you're grasping for that, you're grasping for opportunity, but the moment might be transitioning for you to move somewhere else, to do something else, to move on. But if you hold on to it, you're only going to make, you're only going to get more and more hurt. You're only going to suffer more and more. And I had to leave. And that was painful because I was happy, but I was also suffering. And you think, okay, I'm suffering for my call. I'm suffering for, you know, and then you think about the scripture that talks about where well, the suffering of this present time is nothing that should be, you know, to be compared to the glory that shall be revealed. So I'm suffering. I'm like, oh, it's going to be good, right? This is as hard as what I'm going through is this, this comeback is going to be even better, right? It wasn't, not then. I, I fell into a depression and I said, well, I give up and I came home. So I came back to Durham. I lived with my mom. You know, my sister was here. It just was a house full of people. And I started writing music, writing songs um, to get through the, the pain. But then I made a really bad decision. I decided to move back to where I was from. And there's nothing wrong with where I'm from. But I took a broken heart to a broken city mm. and let it fester. Right. Um, I was my heart was broken and I was grieving the loss of my dream. Right. I was grieving the fact that it had taken me almost 20 years. Right. From the time that I was born into this earth all the way up until I left. Um left Charlotte to even get to a place where I was free to sing, where I could just do whatever I wanted to do. I could do all the runs or I could do none of the runs, right? I could, I could as long as I wasn't paying attention, I could say whatever scriptures came to my heart. I could be free to transition to whatever song I wanted to transition with. People loved me. People were supportive. And then I fell flat on my face. And I said, after all of this, and I became bitter. After all of this work and after all of the painful things I have been through, God, you going to give me what I asked you for and then take it away. Like, really? Really? So I became bitter. I was angry at God. I was I was just frustrated about the whole situation. And I was literally done. I did not sing not a peep for mm, I would say from 2013 to probably 2017, I didn't even, I didn't even sing. I didn't even, I didn't play the piano. I didn't sing. I didn't worship. I didn't talk to God. I didn't pray. None of that. Barely talked to my mother, forgot all about the people in my life. And I leaned into this other life that I had never had before. And, you know, I ended up, you know, in some very toxic relationships. I ended up in some very tough situations and we want I won't go down that rabbit hole but all because I was grieving the loss of my dream of what I thought God called me to do about of what I thought God wanted me to do and it was such a painful experience that I had no hope I had no purpose because that was my whole purpose 
My parents raised me to do this, right? God gave me this gift and I was excited to use it only for me to, to lose the opportunity. And, you know, I just, I wanted to die. I was very suicidal at the time because I don't know, you know, we always talk about when we think about grief, we think about losing loved ones, right? We think about losing, you know, our friends or our, you know, and often it's to death, right? We think about losing them to death or even some other big events like divorce. You know, we think about the grieving process, but what do you do when the very thing that you thought you were created for that dies, right? What do you do? What does that even look like? How do you grieve that openly? Um, I lost a really good friend, not to death, but to a different mindset. You know, one of the things that she said to me was, you're not even trying, right? You're not even trying to sing. You're not even trying to do anything. And part of that was because I was broken. How can you go to church when church is what broke you, right? How can you go and serve when serving is what destroyed you or the loss of it? is what destroyed you. What? How do you go back in and say, okay, we ready? No, there's some healing that needs to take place. And what does that look like? You know, what does that really look like to be able to say, I'm, I'm a mess. I don't even want to talk to God right now. That's how much of a mess I am. Like literally. And I didn't come back right away. And what I mean by that is, I moved, I moved from that broken city and came back home and I was so depressed that I couldn't even get out of bed. You know, I had gotten a job and I was working, but I was functional, but mm. I was deep, deeply depressed. So, so I would wake up, I wouldn't shower. I wouldn't do anything. I would just wake up, put on clothes, go to work, work for eight hours, come back home and get back in the bed. That is how depressed I was because I went from you know, the stuff that happened with me losing my job and losing that into a relationship that was abusive, that I was fighting with my partner all the time in a city where I was 500 miles away from my mother and my sisters. I was so far. I had created this life where I had no support. So I, I, had, I had wound myself up into this depression and then came back and I was out for the count. And that was two years of my life depressed, just wanting to die, not wanting to live, not wanting to really, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I didn't know who I was anymore. All the way up until this point, I had a plan. And now I don't have a plan. And I'm just, and I literally just woke up every day, left the house, came back, got in the bed. That was my whole two years. Like, that was it. And you know, my mom had invited me to her church and I started going there and then I started singing, but I was toxic and I couldn't maintain it because even though worship was in me, there was so much other stuff weighing that part of me down. And I tried and I served and I, I couldn't be consistent because it took everything out of me when I got up to lead worship that I had even less. And mind you, my emotional budget was already in the negative. 
Mm. I think that sometimes we go through situations and we're not aware of where our emotional budget is. We think we have more in the bank than we do. So we're writing emotional checks that we that are bouncing all over the place. It's bouncing our relationships. We're being aggressive and mean, you know, for no reason because we just don't have enough. And so we're already in the red and we don't know what to do with that instead of taking a, a step back and being able to refill, right? Refill, you know? And so that didn't work. And so I went and I went to another church and I was serving. And like I said, you know, I was incredibly depressed. And so I would literally just show up in enough time to sing because that was that was it. I would learn the songs, show up to sing. I can't show up for anything else because I don't have anything else. Right. I don't have anything else. And so, you know, after 15 months of that, I just stopped. I was done. I was done. And I was, like I said, I was working a job and I ended up going on a leave of absence from work. And, you know, you got to be, you got to be really depressed for them to write you a note to say, this girl need to stay at home. Just, just leave her yeah. at home. Leave her at home. I yeah. was in, I was in therapy twice a week and I was heavily medicated. Like, you know, I think that sometimes when we think about mental illness or depression we don't always think about the triggers that got us there we just slap a label on it and be mm -hmm. like well this is what's wrong with you okay well this is what's wrong with me i'm gonna accept that and then i'm gonna live my life from that perspective instead of realizing okay well there was a series of unfortunate events that occurred that pushed me to this point and i can recover from this right and that's one of the things that i strive to tell people like you can recover from this, but the road might look messy. You might be crawling. You might have to go to therapy twice a week. You might have to cry it out. You might have to. One of the things that I had to do was make myself a schedule. Literally, I'm going to wake up at nine o'clock and I'm going to do all of the things. And then I'm going to put my shoes on and I'm going to go stand outside. Because I was so depressed that that was enough work for the entire day. Right. And so, you know, not to keep on a, a doom and gloom type of mindset, Just but it, it was it was definitely a time in my life that I was ashamed of myself. I was ashamed of depression. I was ashamed of the way that I looked. I, my, you know, um, a part of this, I got on a medication that, you know, cause my weight to just go way up. And so, you know, going from, so I had not only changes in my situation, but changes in my emotional life, changes in my physical body. Everything just felt like all the things that I felt like I was holding on to were out of control. And so one day um, I was just, you know, talking to my therapist and we were just talking about who I really am. And being able to separate my suffering from who I really am. A lot of times when you go through very traumatic and painful situations, it becomes your identity. It sticks to you, right? It sticks to you and now you have that bag, right? Okay, so yeah, this is me, but I also suffer with depression. Or yeah, this is me, but I have diabetes. So I am diabetes, my diabetes, my bipolar, my depression, you know, my anger issues we say these are my things and we hold on to them and we make them our identity. But I think that we need to learn how to separate 
the thing that we're dealing with or our challenges from who we really are. And to rip that away can be a painful process, but it's also very freeing when you begin to take pieces of what you people said you were. Like people, when you know, people used to label me as like, oh, you got such a bad attitude. And I'm like, y'all don't even know me. My friends don't think that, and none of my families think that. But because I'm going through this situation and this is what you see, you're trying to tell me that this is who I am. It's not. It's a symptom of a deeper illness. A dip and the illness was bitterness, right? It was frustration. It was grief. All of those things are are all of those things have symptoms and they manifest a certain way in your life, on your job, in your relationship, you know, even in in the way you speak to yourself. And so once I realized that I needed to separate the two, I started asking myself deeper questions. Who am I? How do I want to show up in the world? If I had a choice, what would I what would my life look like? Not my physical life, but what would my experience, what would my lens see, right? Mm. What would I see? You know, people talk about rose-colored glasses. Well, I have I have glasses too. When I put those glasses on, I see the world the way I want to see the world, the way I need to see the world, the way I choose to experience the world. And I started learning a little bit more about the way the brain works and about the way our eyes work and how everything in the world is really already upside down and our eyes flip it upside, right side up. And our brain can only see, our mind can, our eyes can only see a portion of of what we're looking at. Our brains make up the rest. That's important because to me, if my brain is making up the rest, of this story, of this situation, then I have a fighting chance to change my own perception about life. Yes. I have a chance to say, okay, I might be sad, but what can I do to bring myself back up? Mm-hmm. I, I used to not believe in happiness. I was, I was depressed. Let me tell you, I was just in a bad place, but I didn't believe in happiness. I thought happiness was stupid and it wasn't real. Like it's fake. I'd rather just have joy because I know that joy is, you know, comes from the Lord, you know, super holy. Right. So but then I learned that happiness is manufactured like you can manufacture your happiness. And it seems like manufacture. Oh, my God. Well, when you're feeling down and you go get a cookie or or a piece of cake and for that five minutes that you eating that cake, this is the best life you ever had and, and nothing else matters. You just manufactured a bit of happiness. Yeah. What if we did that with more healthier habits, right? What if when we felt down, depressed, and we didn't feel like we can move move forward, we chose something else that gives us a little bit happiness? For me, it's music or being creative. And so I started being creative again. Mm. I started singing again. I started, the real thing that I started to do was listen to music again. When you have, it's like me, Music and I were in a deep relationship and then we broke up, right? And you know how you be mad at your ex forever, but you still love him, but Mm -hmm. you be mad at him, right? Yeah. And you know, that's how it was. Like, I don't want to hear you. Literally didn't want to hear music, right? Didn't want to watch no award show because I was big mad that I wasn't on him, right? So just all of these things like... And so I started listening to a little bit of music, right? I was like, okay, well, we're going to just, we're going to listen to some Beyonce because we know we can tolerate the fun of Beyonce, right? Yeah. So it started with a little Beyonce. And that's when, when, I'm, when I was sharing with you earlier that you can listen to a piece of music and it can transport you to a place that you were in. 
So if you have good memories of this song, put it on. It'll take you right back to that energy and that emotion. And then you memorize that feeling. We can memorize feelings. We can memorize emotions. We can say, oh, I know this makes me feel like that. Let's go back there. And then I created a playlist. Now, I, now my playlist is a little ratchet. I love Jesus, but my playlist is a little ratchet, right? But that was the energy that I needed, right? I needed, I needed big energy, right? I needed diva energy. You know, I needed boss energy. I didn't need, not to say I don't need, you know, holy. I got you. I got but, you. <laughs> but I needed boss energy, right? I needed to 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 play pressure. I needed to play that so that I could remind myself of who I really am. Like, even when I don't feel like it, putting on those songs made me feel like it, right? People talk about fake it till you make it. You don't have to fake it till you make it. Transport yourself there, be there, memorize what it feels like, and then bring that back. Bring that energy back to your present moment. And that was so powerful for me, being able to listen to music. So I started with R&B. I started with hip hop, started with rap, lived off of Drake. I lived off of Drake and, and can quote it like it's scripture, right? Because a lot of the things that he was saying was speaking to me during my healing journey, right? And it awoke in me, my creativity. It lit the fire. Now, my fire didn't go out. Mm-hmm. But it was so smolder with everything that happened to me. I just needed a little spark. I like to say, Drake is a little gasoline, right? You just pour it on and it just explodes, right? You know what I'm saying? So so that's what that's what it it did for me and then from there it was like okay i might i might feel like listening to a little a little something so we're gonna say we're gonna listen to speaking to the atmosphere but yeah what's his name um i can't think of his name right now but i started listening and i was like okay i'm gonna put this on repeat and that started opening up the worship again right mm. that started opening up my my spirit again in a different way and then it was like, okay, all right, I hear you, you know, and I knew that God had never left me, but I was mad, right? I was angry. I was hurt. And my healing looked like a journey through like my musical life, like my, my playlist was, was healing for me. And now I found myself fast forward 2022 and I'm like, okay, maybe we'll maybe we'll do this again. Uh, you know, maybe we'll maybe we'll try it again. And it, and you know, I in 2018, that's when I kind of started my like self love, kind of like, okay, we're gonna we're gonna get ourselves better, right? We're gonna get ourselves better. 2019, I, I used to set intentions for every year, right? This is gonna be the year that um, I focus on me and how I feel about myself. And so from going through all of the depression, I stopped wearing makeup. I stopped dressing up. I just wore whatever I, you know, so I started doing that. I started buying myself jewelry. I started doing the things that I used to do to appreciate myself, to show that I loved myself. And then 2020, you know, I was like, okay, then the pandemic hit, you know, and that was that. I was locked back in to, to work and everything. And I went out again, 2021, and now we're here in 2022. And I went back to work and that was, you know, an, an experience. And then my mother got hurt. And so I was kind of working part time 
and she invited, you know, she wanted to go to church. And, you know, for those of people who know my mother, my mother is the Reverend Mother and my father was a minister of music. These are some church people. OK, they love the Lord. OK. And so, you know, I can't let her be out of church, you know, just because she her leg is, you know, broken. So I started taking her to church and we they had gotten a new pastor and, you know, he was talking to talk. Right. You know, <laughs> so I understood it. I liked it. You know, I said, OK. All right. He's telling the truth. He's not, you know, he don't seem like he's what I'm used to when you when you go to church and you got somebody who's stiff and and don't know how to relate to people who are younger than them or don't know how to reach a lot of people. And, you know, he had an idea for more of an integrated church, more of a cross generational church where it's like, okay, many different people, definitely different age groups. And I was like, okay, I could get with that. You know, I might be able to help with that. And so, you know, I've been serving for a few weeks now, like, you know, and it's okay. But the, the reason that I'm I'm saying all this is because look at how long the journey was, right? I, I came back home in 2015, didn't open my mouth to sing again until 2017. I was depressed for that whole time, went to 2018, got into loving myself and listening to music and healing myself. And it took me all this time to get to this point, but it doesn't matter how long it takes you to heal as long as you do it. I think that sometimes we are we box ourselves in with this concept of time and how long it takes us to get over something. And people tell you, you should be over that by now. Mm -hmm. That was a long time ago. Like, why are you not even over it? No, the time it takes you to deliver yourself from the pain that you experience is the time that it takes you. And as long as you are using the tools that you have at your disposal to be better and trying to figure out how to heal from those wounds, let people say what they want to say. If it takes you 10 years, if it takes you, it, it won't take you 100 years because you won't be here. But, you know, take the time it takes. That's one of the things that I learned. Be patient with yourself and give yourself grace. Because if you don't give yourself grace, other people won't have the patience for what you're going through, you know? So that was a that was where I am now. And I love it because I'm excited, right? I'm excited. Yes. I'm excited about, you know, being able to serve. I'm excited about being creative. I'm excited about singing. I'm excited about learning new songs. Like I've been out of church for so long. I'd be like, I ain't never heard that a day in my life. I've been listening to uh the Drake for the past five years. I really need to learn this music, right? But it doesn't mean that I didn't love God the whole time. It doesn't mean God wasn't with me the whole time. That was my healing. Right. That's what it looked like for me. It might not look like that for you. It might not look like that for them. Your healing might be like, you know, my sister. And that's her testimony to tell. All she do is listen to Jesus music all day long. But that's what her healing looked like. And we have to give people the space to heal in their own way and still love and embrace them. You know? Yeah, most definitely. So, that was like the 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 gist of, of of who I am and what I've been through and where I have found myself today. And I'm so grateful for every second of the journey, every second of the pain, every every night I slept in my car. I'm grateful for that. You know, every night I hid my life away. I'm grateful for that. Every moment that I felt like, okay, I know you called me to do this, but there's no space for me. And and hearing God remind me, there's always room for you. There's always room for you. You you walk into a room. Everyone walks. We have, I ain't gonna get too much off into that, but we have like a spiritual aura. Like, you know, we we have that. 
they they photograph it on people. It's real. It's not. So every time you walk into a room, you have space. You're in your space. You can take up all of that space, right? You can take all of it up and you're not impeding on someone else's space because we all have it. We all have it. And it's okay to let your light really shine and be exactly who you were created to be without without feeling like you're not enough or you're doing too much, you know? Yeah, that, that's like, that's a whole, that's transformation in itself. Mm-hmm. That's whole transformation in itself. Just listening to how you was talking about, like you really into worship. This is your dream. You feel mm-hmm. me? And you lose your job, you become homeless, but guess what? This is still your dream deep down mm-hmm. inside. It is. It's a part of you, but you feel some type of way because look, I'm giving my all, I'm doing everything, but why is it happening to me? Mm-hmm. You feel what I'm saying? Then you start understanding, okay, let me break things down. Okay. I am who I am, but I'm dealing with everything A, B, mm-hmm. C, D, right? So you just start breaking everything down and, mm-hmm. and that's how it is. Cause like, honestly, we only have control over ourselves. That's true. We don't have no control over nothing else. No monkey pops, no COVID. <laughs> All we have control over ourselves is us. And our mind is powerful. It is. Our mind is. is so powerful. Sometimes self-sabotage want to creep in. I have to talk to myself in the mirror. Mm-hmm. I talk to myself in the mirror. So, man, I'm I'm proud of you. I'm happy for you. <laughs> Thank I'm glad you. that you got that joy back. You know yeah. what I'm saying? I'm, I'm happy for you. And gratitude is essential. Yes, it definitely is. You know what I'm saying? You operating in gratitude and I see it. I feel it. I'm happy for you. And I know you got about to write a lot of songs for people. <laughs> I, I definitely. I definitely am. And I'm excited. Just, I mean, like you said, it's it's about being grateful and operating out of that energy and so many things change when your perspective changes from lack to Mm. gratitude for what you have we live a lot of our time like okay thinking about focusing on what we don't have and what Mm -hmm. we're not but if we take a few minutes just to say man you know what i made it right i will say that's enough right i showed up today that's enough sometimes and just one of the things that i always want to encourage people is to like celebrate Celebrate every moment and be present. That's one of the reasons why you, when you ask me about my, my mental health and where, how I felt mentally, I'm present, right? That's a powerful statement because so many times we're in this moment, but we're not in this moment, yeah. right? We're over there thinking about what it is that we need to do or yeah. what happened to us, but I'm present and accounted for. I'm here, yes. right? And I'm grateful for that, yes. right? So. That, that, that's everything. Like I get excited because I know what it's like. Um, mm-hmm. Like myself experienced church hurt. I, know mm-hmm. I will be doing a series called Church Hurt. Mm-hmm. And I have to go to church hurt because mm-hmm. I still feel some type of way. Um, I still feel some type of way about the things that I experienced at church. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I still feel some type of way. And I'm just being honest. Yes. I'm not really fitting in because of who I am and mm-hmm. uh, different things like that. Me looking at myself like I'm not enough. I'm not good enough. Me 
Nan was like, man, I am of love and light. You know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? Mm -hmm. You know, I, I operate in gratitude, full of love. I can't worry about how people look at me because mm -hmm. I already know my intentions are good. I already know my mm -hmm. heart is pure. And I know, you know what I'm saying? I might not be in church, but also God is using me to mm -hmm. bring people together. You know what I'm saying? So it's kind of like, you know, in a way, my platform is a church, you know, because mm -hmm. everybody's welcome. Yep. It's not a division. Everybody's welcome. No one will be ridiculed. No one will be shamed. No one. Just speak mm -hmm. your truth. Yeah, but I definitely understand where you're coming from. You know, it can be very difficult when you're dealing with church hurt and when you're dealing with because it, it church hurt has a way of tapping into identity. Right. It has a way of making you question who you really are, because that is what church, like you said, is supposed to be a place where all is welcome. And when you when you suffer from rejection, because a lot of church hurt comes from rejection, church rejection, because you don't assimilate to to what people think church should look like or what people think a believer should look like or what people think that you're supposed to act like and what lifestyle type of lifestyle you're supposed to live like a lot of that it needs to be thrown out the window and we need to really operate in love and until we truly operate in love and reconcile what what our our god really says right about love and light versus these traditions that we have decided are what god said and until we learn how to reconcile or we find a way to bridge, you know, we find a way to make that bridge and make those relationships right, it's going to be a lot of hurt people. And I just, you know, one of the things that I'm, I'm passionate about is learning how to bridge the gap and finding people who want to do the same, who want to make a space like you, who want to share their platform to be able to say, hmm. You're welcome here. What happened to you? Tell me. How did you overcome? How can this help somebody else? You're right. That is church. You know, the Bible says when two or three are gathered, that God is in the midst. And we always talk about a building. But no, when we come together and we have a conversation and we fellowship and we sharpen each other and we learn, I learn from you, you learn from me, that's church. God is in the midst of that. So when you have people here and when people are at home together and they're laughing and joking, God is in the midst of that. It doesn't have to be a lot of these and thous. That's not that's not what it's about. What it's about is fellowshipping, growing, tapping into that spiritual side and really yes. just being okay with who you, who God created you to be. Like, you know, the Bible always tells us we're fearfully and we're wonderfully and fearfully made. Not just me, not just the preacher. Everything that God created, the way this world was orchestrated is self-sustaining. If you really look at, at, at Genesis, it's self-sustaining. Everything regenerates. Why not us? We should be creating more love. We should be generating more light because that's what we're here for. And when we stop that by judging people, judgmental people, <laughs> you know, or we push people out, and say, God can't love you because you do this. Or God mm -hmm. can't love you because you are this way. And I don't want to get too much off into that. But that is, that's not God. That's not love. And that's definitely not light. That's not the way that we should be. And that's how people get hurt. You know? But yeah. yeah, it's true. Because for a long time, um, 
I stayed away from like uh church people. Mm-hmm. You know, like Christians, I just um I just stayed away because I'm like, yo, I just want to stay away. Um mm-hmm. I don't, I just want to stay away and just I don't know. I just stayed away, but I was brought up in the church. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I sang in the choir. I did mm-hmm. A, B, C, and D. And then I started coming into my own person. Mm-hmm. And I started saying, okay, like, this is who I really am. Mm-hmm. But this, I can't be this way. And, yo, I can't be this way. It, it was just a mind-boggling experience for me. And, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? It's, but... I'm good. I'm I'm accepting mm-hmm. me. I love me. Um, God is in me. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's all that matters. Yeah. That's all that matters. That as long as I love people and I treat people the right way, that's all that, that matters. That's that's yeah. how I look at it. So that's the energy I'm on. I'm on love and light. <laughs> I'm on encouraging people, uplifting people, bringing people together. Yeah. Um, not focusing so much on man waddling in our problems but Mm -hmm. looking for the solution yeah you know what i'm saying once we focus on the solution and really understand how our mind is because Mm -hmm. you can put something in your mind and you can get exactly what you put in your mind yep you know what i'm saying just like it's a thought like this chapstick was a thought now it's materialized exactly yes that's that's you talking my language you talking my language so i would say that yeah everything is made up People, yeah. people laugh at me when I say that everything is made up. It came out yeah. of my mind. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I see you, man. You about to write them songs. You can continue <laughs> to sing, but you had to go through that just to be where you at now. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. that says everything about you as a human. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? You are a spiritual being. And mm-hmm. so it's like, man, I went through all of that <laughs> and I'm still good. I'm good yeah. now. So I'm happy for you. Well, thank you. I'm happy I pre- too. Listen, I appreciate you for uh, coming to the platform mm-hmm. and, and just sharing your story with us. Because like I said, a lot of people has experienced the same thing that you has, have experienced. Mm-hmm. So you sharing your story, that's amazing. And mm-hmm. you are an amazing human being. And thank oh, you. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I definitely appreciate it. For sure. But one question I got to ask before mm-hmm. before you leave. Yeah. What advice would you give someone that, you know, feel like their dream, they, they don't believe in their dream anymore, but mm-hmm. deep down inside, it's still there. Mm-hmm. What advice would you give that individual? So first I would say, be honest with yourself, right? One of the things that I made the mistake of doing was saying that it, I didn't want it no more. Like, it, I don't want it no more. But I did and I wanted it and and I created more resistance by rejecting the very thing that I wanted the most. And I think being honest with yourself, I do really want this. I still want to do this. And then once you can be honest with yourself and allow the peace of the truth to rest on you, then I would say start healing the gap between really wanting to do it and the fact that it didn't happen when you thought it should have. And once you do that, you can start trying again, right? It might not look like you thought it was going to look, but I guarantee you, if you heal that broken part, 
and bridge the gap between what you thought it was going to look like or the fact that you thought you would never have it and just try again. Just try again. It don't have to be on the scale that you intended it to be. But it's not about what you thought it was going to be. It's about what it can be. And I guarantee you it's going to be way bigger or way better than what you dreamed about the last time. So that's, that's it. That's the big energy right right there. And, and sometimes we can't see it. It's yeah. a feeling. You know what I'm saying? So the unknown. Mm-hmm. If you're working on something every day and you feel it, you feel it. Yeah. Because it's faith. You feel yeah. it. You know it's there. Because that's the unknown. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You have to understand everything in your mind you're going to get. Yep. Good and, or bad. And, I yes. think it's good about that. Bad. That's what I call we got to be thoughts. very intentional. Yes, that's what I'm saying. Your mind is powerful. Yes, your is. mind is so powerful. It will have you flipping up and down. But once you understand how powerful your thoughts are and you you could control your thought thoughts, you can. Mm-hmm. you can control your thoughts. I only manifest positive thoughts into my mm-hmm. reality. You mm-hmm. gotta continue to say that, and yep. then you have that feeling because gratitude feels so amazing. Like I wake up in the morning. I'm grateful mm-hmm. for this day. I'm grateful. I'm yeah. able to pay my bills. I used to complain about paying my bills. Mm-hmm. Now I'm grateful. Right. I'm grateful for this water. Mm-hmm. Like I'm grateful for everything. So that's the energy I be on. Like I, I just operate in that gratitude and, and people, people want to operate in gratitude because they see how you operating. So everybody right. want to understand I want to operate like that. And you're yeah. making a difference. You're mm-hmm. making a difference in somebody's life because you're teaching them, yo, you know how you think negative, right? Mm-hmm. You could think positive, right? And that's how you got to shift your mindset. Yep, you do. You do. And it's such, oh. a, it's such an amazing thing, not to keep going on, but it's such an amazing thing the first time it happens, right? It's like the first time it happens, you be like, bruh, like, really? Like, this really? I really did. I can. That's why, that's why I talk about manufacturing happiness and what you're saying about gratitude. It's the exact same. Yes, like, it's yes. super the same because once you start, like you said, once you start operating and you realize that it, it's actually generating positive things. And when you walk into a room, people be like, oh, girl, what's going on with you? Nothing. I was just happy I woke up this morning. Yes. Then they be like, well, I'm happy, too. Yes. It, it's contagious almost, you know, yes. you become more of a thermostat than a thermometer because, you know, a thermometer just tells you what temperature is. A thermostat, a thermostat sets it. So yes. when you walk in with that gratitude, when you walk in with that positive energy, you're setting the atmosphere for everybody that's around you. And people yes. can't stay around you unless they acclimate to what temperature you set. And so I love that. I love that gratitude. That's that's a thing. Yeah. That's- yes, man. I, but I see, I love your energy. Like your yeah. energy. I'm big energy. <laughs> Should we big energy? This this is this is what I'm talking about. Being yeah. able to have a conversation, just just a happy conversation. Yeah. Just it just feels good. It does. Is this emotion right now? Like, man, this feeling feels great. Mm-hmm. And so you want to have more conversations mm-hmm. with people on the same alignment. Right. Period. Right. So so my message to everyone out there is like continue believing in yourself, continue dreaming. Never stop mm-hmm. dreaming. You remember mm-hmm. you, the imagination you had when you was a kid? I talk about that all the time. The imagination you had <laughs> when everything was possible. Yeah. Nothing was impossible. 
that's the mindset that I have now. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And so I teach my nephew that I'm off topic as well. I, it is what it is, but it's a message. <laughs> right. I teach my nephew like, yo, bruh, have a big imagination. Whatever you want to be in life, mm-hmm. you can be. So right. guess what? That's the energy my nephew has now. Like, mm-hmm. I could be whatever I want to be. Right. I believe in myself, auntie. That's mm-hmm. how my nephew talks. So that's all that it matters yeah. to me. But how can people get in contact with you if they want to... Um, come fellowship with you if they want to hear your music i mean how can they get in contact with you so i do have an ep on um itunes spotify so it's i am miss leslie or leslie uh, peterson um that my i'm i am miss leslie across all socials you can find me on all socials at i am miss leslie is it all together yeah just one word i am miss leslie okay i'm I'm writing in the chat okay leslie (laughs) I bet. And then how can they find your music? Like, so my, um, you just search Leslie Peterson. I have an EP right now that's up. It's gospel and it's a couple snippets and two songs. My favorite song is number four, Nothing But Tears. So it's, um, you know, just search me on iTunes, search me on Spotify, Leslie Peterson, and okay. you'll find me. I'm most okay. definitely about to, I'm about to most definitely. <laughs> Um, check you out, you know what I'm saying? Because yeah. and you play the piano, girl. I do, I do, yeah, yeah. Man, one day you gotta come up here and and um sing. Yeah, for sure. Like for real, like no, just for sing. real. <laughs> if, 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 if you good with that, like yeah. that would be most definitely dope. You know what I'm saying? Just to have you, you know what I'm saying? Like where you? That's your happy place. Yeah, I would so love I, to. Yeah, so we most definitely gonna set some up again. So okay, awesome. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So so I'm about to play my outro song. Y'all know what it is. So I appreciate you coming to the podcast. It's Why Not Us podcast. Thank you again, Leslie. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody that's listening, I appreciate y'all listening, and the people that's gonna catch it later. You know, this is a blessing right here, and I hope everybody learns something. So, peace and blessings, and I'm about to play my outro song. (laughs) You can be what you want to be. See what you want to see. Go where you want to go. Why not us podcast with Ken Jay?